Welcome to A Journey Through the Message. My name is Robert. Today we have an action-packed day in the Bible for you. We're reading out of four separate passages. The first is Matthew 20. This is a parable that Jesus tells about a landowner who hires workers throughout the day to work in his vineyard. And then at the end of the day, the landowner pays all of the workers the same amount of money, regardless of how long they worked. How would you feel if your boss did that to you? So this parable really challenges our perceptions of fairness and generosity and just reminds us of God's unconditional love and grace. Next, we have Acts chapter 27. This passage recounts the harrowing journey of the Apostle Paul and his companions as they sail from Crete to Rome. Along the way, they encounter a fierce storm that threatens to sink their ship. Now, through prayer and faith in God, Paul encourages the crew to persevere. Stay tuned to see if they make it safely to shore. The next passage that we have is Psalm 44. This psalm expresses deep sorrow and the confusion that the psalmist feels as they experience suffering and defeat. Have you ever felt like that? Just defeated? Well, despite their anguish, the psalmist trusts in God's steadfast love and ask for his help in their time of need. And then we end the day in Leviticus. That's right. Buckle up for some Leviticus. We have chapters 18, 19, and 20 today. These are a collection of laws that emphasize the importance of holiness and obedience to God's commands. They cover a wide range of topics from sexual morality to honoring one's parents and provide guidance for living a righteous and holy life in accordance with God's will. It's another action-packed day on a journey through the message. I'm not pushy or preachy. I'm just happy that you're here. So thanks for checking us out. Grab a cup of coffee. Maybe buckle up if you're driving right now. Put those headphones on and we'll see you on the journey through the message. And here we are, ready to journey through the message. My name is Robert. And my name is Heidi. We are so glad to have you along. How has your week been? And I'm talking to our listeners. Oh, I hope yeah. they've all had a wonderful week. If you've had a God moment this mm. past week, share it with us. Those God moments are meant yes. to be shared. We're not meant to do life alone. No. Drop it down in the comments. We'd love to hear about what's been going on and how God has been moving in your life. Yes, I had a God moment myself last night. Did you? I did at Central Bible Ministries. It was a beautiful night. There is a special man who gave a testimony that even though it's the second time I've heard it, it moves me. And I believe without a doubt, God has such big plans for him. Yeah. And I'm really excited to see where he goes because I see in him such a desire to live a changed life yeah. and it's such a beautiful thing to see and I treasure those moments for someone like him to literally be in public and ask can I share my testimony yes was huge you would have to know this this person in their circumstances maybe to understand. one day we'll have him on to read the bible with us I would I'm sure he would like that to have him on and <laughs> Even to read about Paul, sure, a lot of people are saying to him that you're kind of the Saul to Paul yeah. kind of deal. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, and it was great. I mean, last night we're on the way in from Greenville into Grand Rapids. Mm -hmm. He was in the front seat. He was. And uh, Heidi's in the back seat and we're reading the conversion Another story. God moment for me. <laughs> I have never literally <laughs> just sat in a car with somebody and it was absolutely normal and right for this friend of ours sure. and myself to just flip our Bibles open. And he did too. He did. <laughs> Followed along. We talked about it and we read about the Damascus Road yeah. conversion. And yep. I could see it on him as those wheels are turning and he's sucking up all this information and learning in the joy he gets in hearing about Paul. <laughs> he identifies and it makes me so excited yeah. to see. So I'm going to open with prayer here. Father God, 
thank you for those Damascus Road experiences. (sighs) We have had some of those in our lives. Mm -hmm. And even though they may have not blinded us and they may have not blinded you, it's still where Jesus chose to meet you. It doesn't have to look identical to what Saul went through. So to everyone out there that is going through maybe that Damascus Road experience, there is light at the end of that tunnel. God has got some big things in store for you. I don't know your situation Mm -hmm. right now, but I know that if you say yes to God, he's going to start opening doors and he will start using the things you may have been ashamed of, that you may have wanted to keep hidden, that you may have wanted to recluse, maybe things that were depressing. It's a painful thing to talk Mm. sometimes, but God has a way of healing that hurt and redeeming that instance in your life. I've seen him do it for me. I've seen him do it for hundreds, thousands of other people. Oh, he's and done it for I me. And I am inspired every time, every time I see it. So Father God, thank you for being a good father to us. Yes. Bless our reading today. Bless our listeners. If there's someone out there who's going through it in that moment right now, just give them that peace that this too shall pass and you're right there with them. So I ask this all in your holy name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Hey. So. All right. We are reading in Matthew today. We are. is going to be starting out, and we're in Matthew chapter 20, if you're following along in your favorite translation. And we're in uh, verses 1 through 16 today. All right. It says a story about workers. Let's see what Jesus has to say. God's kingdom is like an estate manager who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. They agreed on a wage of a dollar a day and went to work. Later, about nine o'clock, the manager saw some other men hanging around the town square unemployed. He told them to go work in his vineyard and he would pay them a fair wage. They went. He did the same thing at noon and again at three o'clock. At five o'clock, he went back and found still others standing around. He said, why are you standing around all day doing nothing? They said, because no one hired us. He told them to go work in his vineyard. When the day's work was over, the owner of the vineyard instructed his foreman, call the workers in and pay them their wages. Start with the last hired and go on to the first. Those hired at five o'clock came up and were each given a dollar. When those who were hired first saw that, they assumed they would get far more. But they got the same. Each of them, one dollar. Taking the dollar, they groused angrily to the manager. These last workers put in only one easy hour, and you just made them equal to us who slaved all day under a scorching sun? (laughs) He replied to the one speaking for the rest, friend, I haven't been unfair. We agreed on the wage of a dollar, didn't we? So take it and go. I decided to give to the one who came last the same as you. Can't I do what I want with my own money? Are you going to get stingy because I am generous? Here it is again, the great reversal. Many of the first ending up last and the last first. Mm. (laughs) I love that, but don't think that he's talking about money here. No, no. He's talking about our faith walk, our eternal home, and the fact that God is not working on a time frame. No. He's not looking at a clock. Time means absolutely nothing to him. Nothing at all. It's beautiful. I've got a really good pause. Yay! From Eugene Peterson. I hope talk. something I said was right, because Eugene's coming up to tell me if I am. This is titled, Valued the Way That God Values Us. Mm. One of the dehumanizing features in our society is that there is a price put on nearly everybody. We determine the value of others by their salary, and we even base our own self-image on how much we earn. Jesus' story proclaims the good news of a different way of determining our value, not by how much we earn or how long we work, 
not by our productivity or our seniority, not by our maleness or femaleness, but simply because we are. We all get treated generously by God. Mm. This parable creates a community of understanding where each person can be valued the way that God values us. We set aside what our parents think of us, what our colleagues think of us, what our friends and acquaintances think of us, what our enemies think of us, and now we pay attention to what God thinks of us. I decided to give to the one who came last the same as you. The message of Jesus' parable isn't a formula for psychological self-realization, and it isn't a self-help pep talk. It's the simple, direct declaration that God calls you, which means you are significant, and that God gives you generous gifts, which means you're highly esteemed. Mm. The workers in the parable found that no matter what time in their lives they got in on the work, Mm. they were still needed. They also found that no matter how many or how few hours they had put in, they were treated with dignity and grace. The moment that they decided to listen to what God said to them and pay attention to how God valued them, not to what others said about them or how they felt about themselves, they were on the way to getting their act together. Mm. The moment that you decide that, you will too. I love his pauses. (laughs) So good. And now we are bouncing a little forward up to Acts, and I'll be reading Acts chapter 27, verses 1 through 26. The continuing saga of Paul. Yes, and this is titled A Storm at Sea. As soon as arrangements were complete for our sailing to Italy, Paul and a few other prisoners were placed under the supervision of a centurion named Julius, a member of the elite guard. We boarded a ship from, oh, here we go. Here's a big name, uh, Adramidium. So we boarded a ship from Adramidium that was bound for Ephesus and Ports West. Aristarchus, a Macedonian from Thessalonica, went with us. That was a whole bunch of six and seven syllable <laughs> Those words. Those were there. really big wow. words. Wow. The next day, we put in at Sidon. Julius treated Paul most decently. They let him get off the ship and enjoy the hospitality of his friends there. Out to sea again, we sailed north under the protection of the northeast shore of Cyprus because the winds out of the west were against us, and then along the coast westward to the port of Myra. There the centurion found an Egyptian ship headed for Italy and transferred us on board. We ran into bad weather and found it impossible to stay on course. After much difficulty, we finally made it to the southern coast of the island of Crete, and we docked at the Good Harbor. What an appropriate name. By this time, we had lost a lot of time. We had passed the autumn equinox, so it would be stormy weather from now on through the winter, too dangerous for sailing. Paul warned, I see only disaster ahead for cargo and ship, to say nothing of our lives if we put out to sea right now. But it was not the best harbor for staying the winter. Phoenix, a few miles further on, was much more suitable. The centurion set Paul's warning aside and let the ship captain and the ship owner talk him into trying for the next harbor. When a gentle southerly breeze came up, they weighed anchor, thinking that it would be smooth sailing. But they were no sooner out to sea than when a gale-force wind, the infamous nor'easter, struck. They lost all control of the ship. It was a cork in the storm. We came under the lee of, the, of a small island named Clauda, and then managed to get a lifeboat ready and reef the sails. But rocky shoals prevented us from getting close. We only managed to avoid them by throwing out the drift anchors. Next day, out on the high seas again and badly damaged now by the storm, we dumped the cargo overboard. The third day, the sailors lightened the ship further by throwing off all the tackle and the provisions. It had been many days since we had seen either sun or stars. Wind and waves were battering us unmercifully, and we lost all hope of rescue. 
with our appetite for both food and life long gone. Paul took his place in our midst and said, Friends, you really should have listened to me back in Crete. (laughs) You think? (laughs) We could have avoided all of this trouble and trial, but there's no need to dwell on that now. From now on, things are looking up. I can assure you that there will not be a single drowning among us. Although I can't say as much for the ship, the ship itself is doomed. Last night, God's angel stood at my side. An angel of this God that I serve, saying to me, Don't give up, Paul. You are going to stand before Caesar yet, and everyone sailing with you is also going to make it. So, dear friends, take heart. I believe that God will do exactly what he told me. But we are going to shipwreck on some island or another. (laughs) There's a slight pause here. Paul's confidence in God and God's mission for him carry him through all kinds of challenges. What do you think that God has in mind for you to do as his ambassador? How do you see him making that mission possible for you? And the quick pause that he had here on the exact chapter that I just read, it's verses 1 through 26. It's titled, Don't Give Up. Luke wrote, we lost all hope of rescue in Acts 27, verse 20. But in these conditions of hopelessness, Paul spoke hopefully. He told the men that an angel of God had appeared to him in the night and assured him that he would arrive in Rome and stand trial before Caesar. And then he told them that all who were with him would also get there too. The angel told him, don't give up. And so he told the men, take heart. God would strip them of what had obscured their awareness of him, the ship, the job, the mad rush to Rome, but their lives would be preserved. God is also out to get us, you and me. Everything that we consider a loss can be a chance to discover God at the center, to realize the preciousness of life itself of love that's unencumbered by lust and pride and greed. The voice keeps arriving in the midst of terror and disaster and hopelessness. That little voice that says, don't give up. Take heart. Mm. Again, I love Eugene Peterson and the way he explains and describes what we've read in a way that just leaves you in awe of God and his love and caring for us as he works out his plan. I absolutely love it. I've been listening to Lisa Harper Mm. and she has been talking about Paul. Okay. And she had talked about her podcast, I believe it was last week, about this storm. And she just kind of started laughing and she said, think of this man. He's on the road to Damascus, and life is great for him. He is highly educated, very respected, one of the elite rulers, looked up to doing his thing, and bam. Now I'm God's like, (laughs) okay, I picked you for my team. Things are going to change a bit. And ever since that time, this man has been beaten, whipped, Stoned, jailed, shipwrecked, and there's more to come. So he's not having an easy road of it. Not to mention all the Jews that are scared to death of him. Yeah. Because he used to kill them and bring them to jail. Yeah, his reputation proceeded. So he's fighting (laughs) men, seas, beatings, animals. We'll hear about that later. I mean, this man is facing it all and And he's always focused i'm going to rome i'm talking to this man i don't care what i have to go through come hell or high water and they're like okay and that's (laughs) the path he was given but he's gonna go to rome i'd love paul and in the midst of it all he can still come up in the middle of this storm out in the middle of the sea and he comes up and he says take heart yes don't give up Yes, he was yeah. there to reassure and just point to Jesus. Yeah. Just have some faith. I I love it. 
And now we will be rewinding back to the Old Testament. <laughs> yes, we are. We, we are. love rewinding back to we the Old do. Testament. We do. Leviticus especially. Riveting. It's been fun, and, <laughs> and we have a fun one today. Oh, good. But before that, but first, Heidi will be starting out in Psalms chapter 44. Yes. All right, here we go. We've been hearing about this, God, all our lives. Our fathers told us the stories their fathers told them, how single-handedly you weeded out the godless from the fields and planted us, how you sent those people packing but gave us a fresh start. We didn't fight for this land. We didn't work for it. It was a gift. You gave it, smiling as you gave it, delighting as you gave it. You're my king, O God. Command victories for Jacob. With your help, we'll wipe out our enemies. In your name, we'll stomp them to dust. I don't trust in weapons. My sword won't save me. But it's you, you who saved us from the enemy. You made those who hate us lose face. All day we parade God's praise. We thank you by name over and over. But now you've walked off and left us. You've disgraced us and won't fight for us. You made us turn tail and run. Those who hate us have cleaned us out. You delivered us as sheep to the butcher. You scattered us to the four winds. You sold your people at a discount. You made nothing on the sale. You made people on the street, people we know, poke fun and call us names, and you made us a joke among the godless, a cheap joke among the rabble. Every day I'm up against it, my nose rubbed in my shame. Gossip and ridicule fill the air. People out to get me crowd the street. All this came down on us, and we've done nothing to deserve it. We never betrayed your covenant. Our hearts were never false. Our feet never left your path. Do we deserve torture in the den of jackals or lock up in a black hole? If we had forgotten to pray to our God or made fools of ourselves with store-bought gods, wouldn't God have figured this out? We can't hide things from him. No, you decided to make us martyrs, lambs assigned for sacrifice each day. Get up, God. Are you going to sleep all day? Wake up. Don't you care what happens to us? Why do you bury your face in the pillow? Why pretend things are just fine with us? And here we are, flat on our faces in the dirt, held down with a boot on our necks. Get up and come to our rescue. If you love us so much, help us. Who? David's really saying it to God. And I love that because God is allowing him to show us we can that boldly go to God and tell him, you promised this. Save me for the, from this. He will. It may not be on the timeline that you might want it to happen, yeah. but he's going to do it. I was just going to say how many of our listeners, I know you and I, but Put yourself in these shoes for a minute, like you're going through something terrible. Mm. There's a, mm. a life-changing thing happening to you. Maybe you've gone through one of these life-changing things. Yeah. Did you cry out to God? Did it sound like this? If you tried to keep your prayers prim and proper, mm. believe me when I tell you God's shoulders are big enough for you to have a tough discussion with him. It's yes. part of that back and forth, and he welcomes that, as we see in this psalm. If this psalm was bad, if it wasn't how we're supposed to talk to God, it wouldn't be here in the Bible. But exactly like you said, Heidi, it's, it's showing us and almost giving yes. permission and showing us that God can handle mm -hmm. these tough things conversations and yes. um, so I, I feel like in order to grow in that intimacy with him don't put your true raw feelings behind a prayer or a call to God that looks a certain way for yeah. everyone to hear or see let it be the true cry from your heart 
and mm. just open up your heart and your mind to that. And uh, he will meet you in that place. I guarantee it. He will. And I was listening to you, to you saying that, and I absolutely loved it. And for whatever reason, what came to mind is a rock tumbler. You find this rock and it's just kind of dull and it's not shiny. It doesn't look beautiful. And you throw it in that tumbler and it polishes and polishes and polishes. And it takes a long time. And then what comes out in the end is something absolutely beautiful. And I see two things in that. A, God doesn't want to wait for that polished rock. He wants you bringing those fresh, not cleaned up rocks. And what I mean by that is the rawness in your prayer, those emotions. He wants you to bring it all to him. He's waiting for that. The frustration, the anger, the I don't understand. Why am I going through this? I thought I was doing as you command me to do. So why all of this? He wants that. Don't polish it up. Don't polish it up because then it's not hmm. real. Yeah. But the other thing that I thought at the same time, all of these experiences are the polishing. It's all part of it and it has to happen. Hmm. I have had more polishing in my <laughs> life than I ever wish on anyone. Hmm. If I'm not the most gorgeously beautiful polished rock at this point, I'm going to have to talk to God about that because I've been polished within an inch of my life. So, But I love that I have a God that doesn't make me clean up, that doesn't make me wait until I'm beautiful, that doesn't make me wait until I've been transformed to go to Him. And to me... That's everything because my understanding up until just a couple years ago is that's what I needed to be. Mm. And the fact that God has been waiting for the raw, real, dingy Heidi, he's just been waiting for that the whole time. And it has just been remarkable that setting myself before him just bringing this dirty rock and just giving it over to him. He is working to make me such a beautiful, polished treasure that he owns and loves. And it's not lost on me. And in mm -hmm. fact, the knowledge of that just is growing every day with yeah. what he's bringing me through and the people he's bringing into my life. So... I'm begging you to please let go of your thought that you need your prayers to be these pretty, well-spoken, planned out. They have to start like this in the middle thing, and then you wrap it up this way. Don't let that thought hinder your connection to God, mm. because that's what prayer is. It's like going to your dad. When things are really bad and you just want to sit with your dad and talk to him, we need to start thinking about God, our Father, that way. There's a reason he's called Father. Yeah. And it's about time that we start acting like children who go to their dad when things are really bad. Yeah. I think that's all I have to say, but it's remarkable how Psalm 44, with the tone that it took, is exactly what I needed after a little development that started last night into mm. this morning, and it's just part of the process. Sure. And somebody's being polished, and it's something to pray over. It sure is. So thank you for listening. Absolutely. No, <laughs> well, thank you for sharing. And now I'll be bouncing a little backwards here to Leviticus. That's I can't right. Wait, I need to get my list of rules. That's right. Get ongoing. ready. Get your paper out. I'm ready. Buckle up to your camel. We're going to talk about drum roll. Okay. I actually have a sound effect for that. So. But mine's free. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to be rewinding back to Leviticus and I'm going to be starting with the drum roll. Sex. 
<laughs> but we're Christians. Do we really talk about I, that? Well, yeah. Is, is this really a chapter in the Bible? Do we have to talk about sex? Yes. I know. It's about time Christians recognize it's a thing. that it was a beautiful gift God has given to his people. Stop assigning shame Thank you. to one of the most beautiful things that God created people have made in between it. a husband and a wife. Yeah, people have made it to be this dirty yeah. thing. I mean, don't go out and make it all yeah. your conversation. That's no. just weird. Yeah. It makes people real uncomfortable. Yes. So, yeah. yeah, especially in the mall. <laughs> all right, here we go. Chapter 18. God spoke to Moses. Speak to the people of Israel. Tell them. I am God, your God. Don't live like the people of Egypt where you used to live, and don't live like the people of Canaan where I'm bringing you. Don't do what they do. Obey my laws and live by my decrees. I am your God. Keep my decrees and laws. The person who obeys them lives by them. I am God. Don't have sex with a close relative. I am God. Don't violate your father by having sex with your mother. She is your mother. Don't have sex with her. Don't have sex with your father's wife. That violates your father. Don't have sex with your sister, whether she's your father's daughter or your mother's, whether she was born in the same house or elsewhere. Don't have sex with your son's daughter or your daughter's daughter. That would violate your own body. Don't have sex with the daughter of your father's wife born to your father. She is your sister. Don't have sex with your father's sister. She is your aunt, closely related to your father. Don't have sex with your mother's sister. She is your aunt, closely related to your mother. Don't violate your father's brother, your uncle, by having sex with his wife. She is your aunt. Don't have sex with your daughter-in-law. She is your son's wife. Don't have sex with her. Don't have sex with your brother's wife. That would violate your brother. Don't have sex with both a woman and her daughter. And don't have sex with her granddaughters either. They are her close relatives, and that is wicked. Don't marry your wife's sister as a rival wife and have sex with her while your wife is living. Don't have sex with a woman during the time of her menstrual period when she is unclean. Don't have sex with your neighbor's wife and violate yourself by her. And don't give any of your children to be burned in sacrifice to the god Molech, an act of sheer blasphemy of your god. I am God. Don't have sex with a man as one does with a woman. That is abhorrent. Don't have sex with an animal and violate yourself by it. A woman must not have sex with an animal. That is perverse. Don't pollute yourself in any of these ways. This is how the nations became polluted, the ones that I am going to drive out of the land before you. Even the land itself became polluted, and I punished it for its iniquities. The land vomited up its inhabitants. You must keep my decrees and laws, natives and foreigners both. You must not do any of these abhorrent things. The people who lived in this land before you arrived did all of these things and polluted the land. And if you pollute it, the land will vomit you up just as it vomited up the nations that preceded you. Those who do any of these abhorrent things will be cut off from their people Keep to what I tell you. Don't engage in any of the abhorrent acts that were practiced before you came. Don't pollute yourselves with them. I am God, your God. So, and that's the end of chapter 18. I find it remarkable that towards the end, it's saying that the people who inhabited there before they got there, Everything. so very recently, did all of those. Not yeah. some of them. Yeah. All of them. And I'm listening as you're saying this and I'm like there was some pretty questionable things in there. You need to be told <laughs> these things? 
Oh, oh I people, can't wait people, for people. next. I think I'm going to be okay with following that. No problem. <laughs> Got that. Chapter right. 19. Let's Chapter see if 19. I can do this, this. This one is titled, I am God, your God. And the little pause that we're going to have at the end here is called holiness gets our blood pumping. So, you know, it's going to be a good chapter on holiness. So let's see what God has to say. God spoke to Moses. Speak to the congregation of Israel. Tell them, be holy because I, God, your God, am holy. Every one of you must respect his father and mother. Keep my Sabbaths. I am God your God. Don't take up with no God idols. Don't make gods of cast metal. I am God, your God. When you sacrifice a peace offering to God, do it as you've been taught so it is acceptable. Eat it on the day you sacrifice it and the day following. Whatever is left until the third day is to be burned up. If it is eaten on the third day, it is polluted meat and not acceptable. Whoever eats it will be held responsible because he has violated what is holy to God. That person will be cut off from his people. When you harvest your land, don't harvest right up to the edges of your field or gather the gleanings from the harvest. Don't strip your vineyard bare or go back and pick up the fallen grapes. Leave them for the poor and the foreigner. I am God, your God. Don't steal. Don't lie. Don't deceive anyone. Don't swear falsely using my name, violating the name of your God. I am God. Don't exploit your friend or rob him. Don't hold back the wages of a hired hand overnight. Don't curse the deaf. Don't put a stumbling block in front of the blind. Fear your God. I am God. Don't pervert justice. Don't show favoritism to either the poor or the great. Judge on the basis of what is right. Don't spread gossip or rumors. Don't just stand by when your neighbor's life is in danger. I am God. Don't secretly hate your neighbor. If you have something against him, get it out in the open. Otherwise, you are an accomplice in his guilt. Don't seek revenge or carry a grudge against any of your people. Love your neighbor as yourself. I am God. Keep my decrees. Don't mate two different kinds of animals. I mean, nobody wants to see a sheep and a turkey. <laughs> I said, <clears throat> All right, we're I taking that out. I was not prepared for... Oh, my goodness. Oh, here we go. I'm thinking a liger or a zebra and a horse. I mean, a little more closely related. I'm thinking feathers and fur would kind of like a sheep with feathers or a furry turkey. A sheep. I, I mean. A woolly turkey would be awesome. A woolly turkey. I know. That goes back. Instead of gobble, gobble. <laughs> and a sheep with wings. Oh, oh we can man. have sheep wings now. Oh, that yeah. would be a hot mess right here. So anyway, Ooh. here we go. Uh, don't make two different kinds of animals. Don't plant your fields with two kinds of seed. Don't wear clothes woven of two kinds of material. If a man has sex with a slave girl who is engaged to another man, but has not yet been ransomed or given her freedom, There must be an investigation, but they aren't to be put to death because she wasn't free. The man must bring a compensation offering to God at the entrance of the tent of meeting, a ram of compensation. The priest will perform the ritual of atonement for him before God with the ram of compensation for the sin that he has committed. Then he will stand forgiven of the sin he committed. When you enter the land and plant any kind of fruit tree, don't eat the fruit for three years. Consider it inedible. By the fourth year, its fruit is holy, an offering of praise to God. Beginning in the fifth year, you can eat its fruit. You'll have richer harvests this way. I am God, your God. Don't eat meat with blood in it. Don't practice divination or sorcery. Don't cut the hair on the sides of your head or trim your beard. Ooh, 
So you can cut it on the top, just take the top off. So I'm going to have some long, shaggy. And down the back, is it just, oh, it's the, I know what the, oh, you can see it in the, uh, in the Jewish people, the very. I've seen those. I don't know if I'm ready for that, but, uh, you know, I'm a work in progress. So so. Robert, I don't know if you weren't aware of this or not, but you're not Jewish. I don't think you have to worry about doing this. You don't know me. Don't judge me. You're you're gonna look amazing. I'll I'll braid that stuff for you. Here we go. Don't 20. cut the hair on the sides of your head or trim your beard. Don't gash your bodies on behalf of the dead. Don't tattoo yourselves. I am God. Oh, I violated that one. There's a reason for tattooing because of I what know. it symbolized and meant. Don't violate your daughter by making her a whore. Definitely don't do that one. The whole country would soon become a brothel filled with sordid sex. Keep my Sabbaths and revere my sanctuary. I am God. Don't dabble in the occult or traffic with mediums. You will pollute your soul. I am God, your God. Show respect to the aged. Honor the presence of an elder. Fear your God. I am God. When a foreigner lives with you in your land, don't take advantage of him. Treat the foreigner the same as a native. Love him like one of your own. Remember that you were once foreigners in Egypt. I am God, your God. Don't cheat when measuring length, weight, or quantity. Use honest scales and weights and measures. I am God, your God. I brought you out of Egypt. Keep all of my decrees and all of my laws. Yes, do them. I am God. The quick little pause here about holiness getting our blood pumping. It says in Leviticus 19, God commands the people, Be holy because I, God, your God, am holy. And here he insists on a continuity between himself and the people that were to become. Holiness isn't a bland attribute of God. It's wild and undomesticated. Holiness is an interior fire, a passion for living for God, a capacity for exuberance in living out the life of God in the details of our day-to-day lives. I try to live exuberantly. (laughs) You accomplish that most days. Holy is not a word that drains the blood out of life. It is a word that gets our blood pumping, pulsing life through our veins and putting color in our cheeks. Friends, this is funny. Last night I was just talking with somebody at Central Bible Ministries and we were talking about how when you're trying to get clean and you're trying to get on the path of doing things right, you have this little sneaky voice in the back of your head that says, uh, if you give all this up, then what are you going to do? You're going to be bored. There's going to be nothing for you. Who's going to want to connect with you? <laughs> what What are you really going to do? I mean, church, well, are you going to sit around and sing Kumbaya all day? Are you going to be like holding hands in a prayer circle all that? Like what, you know, so like you don't know. And there's a lot of unknowns with that path back. But Mm -hmm. I can be the first to assure you that when you start saying yes to God, he'll fill up your schedule. Yes. And again, I'm going to mention verses like 20 through 22 can be incredibly difficult for a woman Mm. to read Mm -hmm. because it sounds terrible. If a man has sex with a slave girl, it's a very nice way of saying if a man rapes a slave girl who's engaged to another man, but she hasn't yet been ransomed or given her freedom, there must be an investigation. I know on the surface how bad that can sound when it says they aren't to be put to death because she wasn't free. Right. We need to remember, we have to read all of this with some understanding of context and culture. And once you do that and you get an understanding of what things were like, and we had an example of that in the chapter you read first, all those things that to us were like, well, that's just a given. You you don't do those things with close relatives and all of that. Mm-hmm. Before this law, this woman would have died. 
she would have had to pay with her life mm-hmm. for this. I can't wait to talk with God about this because I don't understand that all this guy has to do. Oh, here's my ram, slaughter it, and I'm good to go. I want to know that there was sacrifice in that, that it was meant that he was sorry, that he deserved atonement. But then as soon as I said that, none of us deserve it. Mm. But is his heart changed? Right. Does he care? Was he in is he a sorry? place of repentance? God was trying to teach people who'd never had these kinds of laws before that I'm setting you apart and things are going to look different. Yep. You may not rape whoever you want to. You as a man are not freely allowed to take whoever you want to with no consequences whatsoever. Because before this law, the innocent victim usually had to pay with their life in a pretty horrific way. Mm. I can imagine being stoned to death is an awful way to die. And now imagine you're being killed because somebody raped you. And the unfairness of that is the most appalling Mm. thing I can imagine. So try to remember in these verses that God is showing grace and mercy and preserving life. I have to remind myself of that mm-hmm. because as soon as you read it, I immediately felt angry mm-hmm. and the unfairness. And yep. I took a step back. I regrouped. I'm sorry, God. <laughs> <laughs> there was a quick pause to in uh, verse 18. It says love is the primary verb. And then I'll uh, mm. end here with chapter 20. So I'll go right into that. But it says love your neighbor as yourself. This is verse 18. Memorize that sentence and remember where it came from. Leviticus of all places. Once you've read through the whole Bible, no hurry here. Come back and read Leviticus again. Eventually, you will need to know why this book is in the Bible. No single word in Leviticus has been quoted more often or in so many different contexts as this imperative lead-off verb in Leviticus 19, love. The word is threaded all through the rest of the Hebrew scriptures and embedded on nearly every page of the New Testament. Love is a verb, personal, relational, and comprehensive. Love is the primary verb in our scriptures as a whole, and in our language still today. And now moving into Leviticus 20. God spoke to Moses, Tell the Israelites, each and every Israelite and foreigner in Israel who gives his child to the god Molech must be put to death. The community must kill him by stoning. I will resolutely reject that man and cut him off from his people. By giving his child to the god Molech, he has polluted my sanctuary and desecrated my holy name. If anybody is listening and they're not entirely familiar with Molech, I want to explain to you exactly what that is saying. Sure. The custom of the day with the god Molech, um, it was a god that was made out of metal, and they would light a fire, and this god would glow red from the heat of this fire. Like, it had arms, and that is how it was described to me. And now this is red hot from fire, and they would put their still alive children into those arms, and that's what they mean by giving your child to Molech. Mm. They gave their living child over to die that death of sacrifice to an idol. It was appalling, Mm. appalling the sacrifices they did. So I just wanted to make sure people understood that this isn't just, there's a temple and you're giving their child to go work for- Yeah, he's going to go sew rugs for- You're murdering your child in a gruesome and horrible way. If the people of the land look the other way as if nothing had happened when that man gives his child to the god Molech and failed to kill him- I will resolutely reject that man and his family and him and all who join him in prostituting themselves in the rituals of the god Molech 
I will cut off from their people. God loves children. Mm-hmm. I will resolutely reject persons who dabble in the occult or traffic with mediums, prostituting themselves in their practices. I will cut them off from their people. Set yourselves apart for a holy life. Live a holy life because I am God, your God. Do what I tell you. Live the way that I tell you. I am the God who makes you holy. Any and every person who curses his father or mother must be put to death. By cursing his father or mother, he is responsible for his own death. If a man commits adultery with another man's wife, the wife say of his neighbor, both the man and the woman, the adulterer and the adulteress, must be put to death. If a man has sex with his father's wife, he has violated his father. Both the man and the woman must be put to death. They are responsible for their own deaths. If a man has sex with his daughter-in-law, both of them must be put to death. What they have done is perverse, and they are responsible for their own deaths. If a man has sex with a man as one does with a woman, both of them have done what is abhorrent. They must be put to death. They are responsible for their own deaths. If a man marries both a woman and her mother, that's wicked. All three of them must be burned at the stake, purging the wickedness from the community. If a man has sex with an animal, he must be put to death and you must kill the animal. If a woman has sex with an animal, you must kill both the woman and the animal. They must be put to death and they are responsible for their deaths. If a man marries his sister, the daughter of either his father or mother, and they have sex, that's a disgrace. They must be publicly cut off from their people. He has violated his sister and will be held responsible. If a man sleeps with a woman during her period and has sex with her, he has uncovered her flow and she has uncovered her flow of blood. Both of them must be cut off from their people. Don't have sex with your aunt on either your father or mother's side. That violates a close relative. Both of you are held responsible. If a man has sex with his aunt, he has dishonored his uncle. They will be held responsible and die childless. If a man marries his brother's wife, it's a defilement. He has shamed his brother. They will be childless. Do what I tell you. All my decrees and laws, live by them so that the land where I'm bringing you won't vomit you out. You simply must not live like the nations I'm driving out before you. They did all of these things and I hated every minute of it. I've told you, remember that you will possess their land that I'm giving you as an inheritance. A land flowing with milk and honey. I am God your God, who has distinguished you from the nations. So live like it. Distinguish between ritually clean and unclean animals and birds. Don't pollute yourselves with any animal or bird or crawling thing which I have marked out as unclean for you. Live holy lives before me because I, God, am holy. I have distinguished you from the nations to be my very own. A man or woman who is a medium or sorcerer among you must be put to death. You must kill them by stoning. They are responsible for their own deaths. And I have a quick pause here about chapter 20, verse 7 through 9. It says, The disciplines that turn us from dishonoring our parents to honoring them also train us in a way of life that honors God. Home and holiness are closely related, not only in this passage, but also in the passage from childhood to adulthood. In Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7 through 8, we see a similar relationship between the teaching of God and the teaching at home. It says, start with God. The first step in learning is bowing down to God. Only fools thumb their noses at such wisdom and learning. Pay close attention, friend. 
to what your father tells you. Never forget what you learned at your mother's knee. Holiness begins at home. It begins with honoring our parents, and in honoring our parents, we honor God. How we speak to our parents will largely determine how we speak to God. And Mm. that, friends, is the end of Leviticus. That was an interesting ending for someone like me. I thought the same thing. Because you have a vastly different relationship. I do. (laughs) For those of you who may not know this about me, and I'm not going to go into all the details of it, but um, I am living a life of a person who has been excommunicated and shunned, which means I don't have a relationship with parents. And that's been decades long. It's it's not a new thing in my 27 life. 27 years, 28 years. So for me to read those chapters about honoring and talking to God the way you do your parents, it takes on a different take for me than it might for most people who do have relationships with parents. So for me, I have to remind myself that there are people out there who have parents they are not called to honor in the same way. You're you're not to live a life of disrespect. You're not to go out of your way to badmouth them or trash them or try to do them wrong. But there are parents out there who are not living a godly life themselves and you do not have to, nor are you ever called by God to do something that is contrary to what he commands us Mm -hmm. to do. And that means obeying ungodly people that are not living a godly life. And once you can wrap your mind around that, it becomes a lot easier to see God as a father in the way a father should be available to their child. Mm. So for me, I think God, my father takes on a far deeper richness than some people may have because I don't have a father. Yeah. I mean, I do and he's alive, but there is no relationship. I've been cut off and disowned. So God is my father and the one I go to with those types of things. So I just figured I'm probably not the mm-hmm. only one out there that has strained relationships and I don't want you to feel excluded or less than or any of the above because I don't see you that way. But more importantly, I promise you, God, God has never see seen you, you yeah. as less than. And in fact, he is loving you extra hard and he keeps you held close to him he knows Mm -hmm. he knows and he has already stepped up and said i'll be your dad i'm your father and i'm right here so um for me it's a precious relationship so i just felt like there may be somebody who might have heard that and it brings up some hard things so i want to encourage you today I appreciate you bringing that up. And uh, it was another wild ride through Leviticus. I mean, we touched on a lot of stuff. I know. But the theme through it all was God saying, I don't want you to be like these other people. You're my people. Set apart. Be different. Mm -hmm. Like, look different. Act different. If you get sucked into everything that they're doing things are going to turn out the same way. The land vomited them out. I mean, it's like, it's like the earth was repulsed by that people and saying, we don't even, we don't want you here. God is just simply trying to tell his people, listen, this, this is how that looks because they Mm -hmm. have no concept of what they're about to go into. They don't, they have no concept. So it's giving them that here we go. All right. Here's what it's going to be. Right. And here's how we do this so. because I want to honor God. So what does that mm-hmm. look like? So this is the playbook for. Yes. And they would have to have this because like you said, they don't know this way of living Yeah, because nobody lived this way. And I forget that sometimes until I read it. And then I understand this is the first time they've been given the law like this. This is the first that they're Mm -hmm. hearing of it. So they all have to learn to live this way. I love how God demands his people live a life that shows everyone else that they are set apart and called to live a different life. And it's a life that 
it's not restrictive and it's not confining. It's not taking away your freedoms. And in fact, I'm going to tell you, it does the exact opposite. Mm -hmm. Living this life, even if you're not a believer, let's say, and you lived this way, what a beautiful world, what beautiful relationships between everybody here, the earth would be well taken care of, people respected and safe, things would be fair and honest. And to me, what a beautiful, beautiful world community. And it's possible. It is. It doesn't happen overnight, but it takes one person being inspired to do something a little different Mm -hmm. and then another person and then another person. So yeah. Is our country a mess right now? Yeah. Yeah. But you know what? So was the old Testament during Leviticus. Look at this. It's a mess. I know. uh, Yeah. And that just goes to show like, there's a lot of things that don't change about human nature. Technology may change. The way it looks may change. The packaging that it all comes Mm -hmm. in may change, but we're talking about, centuries and centuries ago. Human nature seems to stay the same. And human nature is the same. So friends, today was another fun ride, another journey through the message. We are so happy to have you along. If you haven't checked out the Facebook group, join that. We'd be happy to have you on there. We're also coming up on episode 50, and we're going to have a little giveaway on episode 50. So please stay tuned for that. I'm excited. We love having you along for this journey. And part of that is just open dialogue. Mm -hmm. If you need prayer, we're here for that. We'd love to pray If you want to share a victory that has happened in your life, we would love to be your cheering squad. If you have some heavy thing happening in your life, maybe private message us. Not everybody needs to see it in the comments. That's right. And we would happily come alongside you. If you need somebody to just chat with, we're here for that too. So mm-hmm. friends, drop it in the comments. We'd be happy to engage with you. Again, thank you so much for joining us on this journey through the message. My name is Robert. My name is Heidi. And we are signing off. Have a great day. See you next time.